This morning we're going to open the Word of God to the book of Acts in chapter 14. Our text for today is 14, 1 through 7. You can keep a finger in the book of Revelation. Our normal practice is to uh, methodically, uh, week by week, go through a book of the Bible. So the reason we are in chapter 14 uh, this week is because we ended in chapter 13 last week. So that kind of makes sense, right? And I'm not very good at math, so but I do know that that 14 follows 13, so it makes it easy for me the next uh, week. But um, keep a finger in the book of Revelation because it will come in handy as we um, unfold this passage this morning. Um, we will pray for the Holy Spirit to help us uh, as we examine and are being examined by this passage. Uh, then we will read the text in its entirety for our consideration. And then as we go through, we will dissect the passage, making observations and applications as we go. So if you would pray with me. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we ask that you grant us help from the Holy Spirit this morning. We need grace to illuminate the passage that we might understand. We need grace that you would inflame our hearts and that grace that you would engage our wills, that you would ignite our will to obedience. We pray that you would grant us favor as we proclaim Christ in the world that we live in. We ask for patient endurance when we are faced with opposition. We ask, Lord, that we would be steadfast in all circumstances, that we would unashamedly preach the gospel of your glorious grace. We ask all of this knowing that in Christ Jesus you can and are willing to do more than we even ask. And it is in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that we offer these prayers to you. Amen. Amen. As you are able, would you please stand for the reading of the infallible, inerrant, Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God. This standing will come in handy because you'll be seated for a while afterwards. So, uh, Chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. This is God's word. Y'all may be seated. So Google says that the best definition of success is the achievement of a desired goal, such as obtaining name or fame or wealth or a higher degree for which a person has tried his or her level best. It is the positive consequence of one's achievement. When Christian life and in witness is success, the achievement of a desired goal, 
Is the measure of success in evangelism the number of converts to Christ that can be attributed to yours and my best effort? Conversely then, is failure measured by the number of rejections we get? In our passage today, we will see that God's measurement of success in Christian life and witness is not measured in terms of achievement or performance of a task that accomplishes a goal that we set out to reach. The measure of success according to the economy of God is faithfulness. Faithfulness that produces patient endurance. Faithfulness that produces steadfastness in obedience to Him. So to give us just a little context of where we've been and where we're going, in our last time together, we saw in chapter 13 that there was great success in the missionary efforts of Paul and Barnabas. There was a great deal of interest in hearing the word of the Lord. And this was evident because uh, the gospel uh, was was wanted to be heard by by the throngs of people that were, were filling up the synagogue in Antioch. But also we witnessed much opposition. The official stance of the leadership of the synagogue in Antioch was to reject Jesus Christ as the promise-fulfilling Savior. Yet, as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, and the Gentiles rejoiced in the gospel. And again, there were others who were stirred up against the apostles, and they drove them out of town. So filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit, they took the message to Iconium. So I would ask us, if we look at that passage and we think about what just went on there in Antioch, was the mission in Antioch a success? Well, as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, was the mission a failure? The gospel was rejected by many. They were driven out of town. How would the mission's success be measured? We can measure success of the mission in a different way than we maybe measure the success of the missionary. Was the missionary successful? How would the missionaries be evaluated as to personal success? How are you and I measured in terms of God's economy that we are successful in Christian life and in witness. Well, let's move on here and pick up on the situation here at Iconium. We'll look at the first two verses. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So the missionary group is driven from Antioch, ultimately rejected by the Jews in the synagogue, filled with the joy of salvation that is given to the Gentiles and empowered with the Holy Spirit, they come to the town of Iconium. Although we saw that the official mission, according to Paul and Barnabas, was then to bring uh, light of the gospel to the Gentiles. What do they do when they come to Iconium? The same thing they did when they went to uh, Antioch is they enter first 
in the synagogue. And remember, there's good reason to begin there. There's good reason for us to begin in places like the synagogue like they did. The audience has some familiarity with the Scriptures. The Gentile people who would attend the synagogue would have a desire for God in some sense, right? They would have familiarity with the Scriptures. They would have familiarity with the God of the Scriptures such that they had some semblance of faith in Him. It was faith that was coupled with law, rules, regulations. All of those things was coupled with it. They recognized God, though, as the one true God. What a great place to start. If one recognizes God as the one true God, that there is but one God, and He is Yahweh, what a great place for the missionaries to start, right? They would strategically be smart. Strategically, Paul and his band of missionaries, they come to a place not to force open doors, but to look for opportunities where the Lord has already opened the door. Walking through that open door, God gives them here words to speak that compelled many Jews and many Greeks to believe. But as we notice this, what goes on in this passage is that the same words that were received unto salvation for some, they stir up animosity from the unbelieving Jewish leadership. So I would post to you this, that as it was in Antioch, Pisidia, it is in Iconium. I would also pose this to you. As it was in Iconium, we see in this passage, it is in Washington County, Yamhill County, Oregon, Washington, California, wherever it is that we go. As it was there, so it is here. That we have this good news message to preach about Jesus Christ. It is received unto salvation for those whom God has called, and then others are anxiously stirred up in opposition to it. Right? The gospel, the gospel message that we carry to our neighbors, they will be, it will be met with gladness for those who believe. But it's possible that it will also be met with hatred from hard-hearted, unbelieving, smart, moral friends and neighbors. Good people will find the gospel, good people in our estimation, right? Will find the gospel offensive and horrible and awful. So I would ask us, do you think that the missionaries here were successful in Iconium? Was it a success because a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed? Had the mission been a failure because the souls of the Jews of the synagogue remain unconverted? How is success measured? How is it to be measured for the missionaries? How do we measure success in Christian life and witness? How does the Lord measure success in Christian life and witness? Well, we established this from chapter 13, verse 48. We established this, that the gospel always accomplishes that which the sovereign Lord intends. The gospel always, every time works. According to the sovereign will of God, the gospel always succeeds. In chapter 13, verse 48, it said, As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. According to the sovereign will of God, the gospel worked. The gospel works. 
There was none that he wanted to save that he couldn't save. There was none that he hadn't wanted to deliver the message of salvation to that did not receive it. As many, that includes every single one of them, right? As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. The gospel always accomplishes that which the sovereign Lord intends. The proclamation of the gospel is successful in accomplishing God's intended result for it. So is the gospel successful? Yes. What marks the successful missionary? What marks the successful disciple, the evangelist? What marks a successful Christian wife? What marks a successful Christian husband? What marks a successful Christian child, neighbor, citizen? It's one word, faithfulness. Faithfulness is success. Being faithful is success. We established at the beginning that faithfulness was the mark of the early church. In Acts 2.42, in the King James Version, I want to read it because I love the wording of this uh, verse. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Faith had produced in the early church an unwavering steadfastness, a continual faithfulness to the doctrine, to fellowship, to celebrating the Lord's Supper, to care for one another, faithful dependence upon God in prayer. When it says that they were faithful to the apostles' doctrine, it's a, it really ultimately means that they were faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were faithful to the doctrine of Christ, faithful to the proclamation of the gospel. And in our text, we see the measure of success in the life of the missionaries was not measured by converts. It was not measured by lack of favor or even measured by failure. It was measured by steadfast faithfulness. The message preached will always be met with those whom God has appointed to eternal life, receiving the word of God with gladness. As well, it will be met with opposition, with those who would like to subvert our efforts by poisoning the hearts and minds of those people that we are sharing against our message. What often happens in our churches today is this. When opposition comes, our response is not faithfulness, but compromise. If they don't like the message, let's compromise. If they don't like the message, then let's get a big band with smoke and get big lights because they'll like that and they'll like us and maybe we'll make the message more palatable. Let's look like the world so that they'll receive our message. That's compromise. It's not faithfulness. When opposition comes, the church of late has given in and given up, backed away from faithful proclamation and made accommodation for those who are troubled by the message. But look at their response to the trouble here. They get favor. A great number of Jews and Greeks believe. A great number of unbelieving Jews then stir up the minds, making uh, poisonous 
accusations, poisoning the hearts of the people who had heard the message or who were going to continue the message. But look at what they do in verse 3. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Instead of giving up or giving in to the opposition, the missionaries remained. They remained steadfast in their proclamation. I would imagine that at this time, as they are remaining there, they are enduring insults. They are overcoming in the power of the Holy Spirit the poisoning of the minds of the people. They are enduring. I'm going to stay with them as long as it takes. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm proclaiming this good news of Jesus Christ to these people. And there is hardship. There's all these things coming against us. But we're going to remain with them. And because of their obedience, God grants through the apostles signs and wonders that, that confirm the teaching. The missionaries were successful. They were successful. Did they convert all? No. Did they, did some fail to receive the message? Yes. But the missionaries were successful, successful because they remained faithful to the gospel, faithful to the mission. They were faithful through suffering, safeful, safe, uh, uh, they were faithful through being marginalized by the unbelieving. Faithfulness is the measure of success in Christian life and witness. What do you suppose that Jesus is looking for when he returns? When the Christ returns to the earth, will he be looking for those who have met an objective and a goal? Those who have performed well? Those whose performance has yielded reward for them? Is that what the Lord will be looking for? Will the Lord come back and look and make a mark of every one of your failures and say, no, you didn't succeed? You set out to do this, but you didn't meet the objective? The Lord Himself, when He returns, Luke 18.8 says, when the Son of Man comes, His question will be, will He find faith on the earth? That was what the Lord, when He returns, is looking for. Will I find faith? Will I find faithfulness? You can turn with me to the book of Revelation. We're going to flip through a few verses there just so you can kind of track with me uh, where I'm going here. The question of the book of Revelation is that through hardship, opposition, persecution, trials, and tribulation, Will Christ, at His return, find a church filled with compromise? Or will He find a successful church? And what is a successful church? A church is filled with Christians who remain faithful to the gospel. That's the big question of the whole book of Revelation. Is that when the Lord returns, will He find faith? Or will he find compromise? Will he find a church that remained faithful? A church that continued steadfastly? A church that was continually entrusting themselves to Jesus Christ as Lord? 
And there's a big question in there. Who is an overcomer according to the scriptures in Revelation? What measure, uh, what will the measure of success be for the Christian? Well, I want us to see this, that we, you and I, are both partners in suffering and partners in kingdom. If, if we remain uncompromisingly faithful. Revelation 1.9 I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus was on the island Patmos because of the word of the Lord and the testimony of Jesus. Notice what John says he is a partner with the church in at that point. I am a partner both in trouble and in perseverance. I'm a partner in kingdom and in perseverance. I'm a partner in tribulation. Troubles that are troubling you are troubling me. I am troubled by it. But our inclusion in the kingdom is perseverance in Jesus. Faithfulness to Him. That is our partnership. John says, Perseverance through tribulation is faithfulness to the kingdom of God. Look at Revelation 2, verses 9 and 10. He's writing here to the church at Smyrna. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that the Jews are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Notice the admonition here to the church. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. The one who conquers. Who is the one who conquers? It is the one who remains faithful in trouble. Faithful in trouble against all odds. I remain faithful to Christ. The world is troubling. I've got all kinds of troubles. In fact, me personally, Pastor Jeff, there's a lot of troubles out there in the world. Those things don't concern me near as much as the trouble I have with my own flesh. Those things are concerning, of course. And they are against me. And they want me to compromise. But my flesh wants me to compromise against the Spirit as well. And that guy I deal with every single moment of every single day. Right? But success in Christian life and in witness is faithfulness. Faithfulness to be an overcomer. And notice what he says here, that faithfulness even unto death is the mark of the overcomer in Christ Jesus. Who will overcome Satan's deceit? Who will overcome the plotting against us? Who will overcome uh, our temptation to compromise? Revelation 12, 11 says, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life, even when faced with death. What is success in Christian life and witness? 
It begins with faith in the faithful one. It says in Revelation 1, 5 and 6, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has released us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Success begins with faith in the faithful witness and remaining faithful to the end. Some in the world will oppose us just as they've done in Iconium, just as they've done in Antioch, just as they do in Iconium. Such it is for Spring Hill Church. Such it is for us. What is success in this world as a Christian whose life is set apart for Christ and His witness. It is faithfulness. Revelation 17, 14 says this, These will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with Him, listen to this, this is great, I love this verse. Those who are with Him, that is those who are with Christ, Christ is the overcomer. Those who are with him, listen to what they are called, are the called and the chosen and the faithful. Those are the overcomers, those who are faithful. Those are the ones who succeed. When the world around the missionaries was met with both favor and with opposition, one thing remained for them in verse 3. Faithfulness to the gospel of God and faithful to the God of the gospel. It's a twofold thing. Faithful to the good news of Jesus Christ, but faithful to the God of the gospel. You might say, you might be thinking this, as I thought about through, through this and I prayed through this, I don't know real trouble, do I? Do we know real trouble for our faith yet? I mean, we see trouble. There's opposition. We see some of it. But looking around, I know that this could get worse. There's not much that it would cost me my life yet, but I'm pretty certain that day is coming and coming very soon. And we might be thinking, I don't know if I have the metal. I don't know if I have what is in me to not fail, to not compromise. If my life is threatened or if the life of my loved one is threatened, I know that in myself, I don't have it. I know that in and of myself, I don't have it. But here's what I do have. This is what I know I have today. I have today. That's what I have. I have today. And today, I can be confidently steadfast in the faith just for today. And God's word promises that faith will produce in us that which is lacking. In Romans 5, it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And James tells us this, that faith produces things in us. That which we lack. We have today. Be faithful today and it will produce good things. 
Be faithful with what you've got right now. You may have very little. Be faithful with it. Because faith produces good things in us. Faith is productive. People like think sometimes think about faith as passive. I just have faith, so I sit around and wait for God to do things. No, faith is productive. Being faithful produces things in us. James says, count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What did he just say? As I say in myself, I, I don't have it. He says, but I have given you faith. If you have faith today, you know that faith produces something in you. It produces steadfastness, which is really continued faith. And if you continue in the faith, you will be perfect and complete and you'll lack nothing. Everything begins with faith. Second Peter 1 through 9 says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through Him you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this reason, he says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. Success. Faith is success. Unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Forgotten that they've been given faith. The measure of success in Christian life and witness is simply faithfulness. You know, I thought about this in my early pastoral days, right? Kept thinking, why do we not have 450 people at the church gathering? Isn't that, wouldn't, would that not show that I was being successful in my role as a pastor? And as I would walk the neighborhood in Carlton with my Bible in hand and I would be praying, the Lord kept convincing me over and over and over again. And I'm completely convinced of this today. And I'm growing in this more and more every day. I don't need you to be famous. I need you to be faithful. I'm not calling you to be famous. I'm calling you to be faithful. Do I fail at that? Yes. But it is my aim to remain in the faith continually. Yes. The measure of success in Christian life and witness is faithfulness. Now, here they are faithful. They stay with these guys, and they, they continue in steadfastly proclaiming the truth of the gospel by His grace. And then verse 4, But the people of the city were divided, and some sided with the Jews, and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it. And they fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. But here's faithfulness again. And there... They continued to preach the gospel. We saw that what is commanded of us in Christ Jesus is faithfulness even unto death. God has determined for us the number of our days, even the amount of suffering that we must endure. 
Sometimes God will allow us to suffer a little while for the sake of his glory and witness to Christ. And then he may move us away from suffering because either our time is not yet or he has appointed for us more work to do. We don't know that. But the missionaries endured by faith for a long season here. It's not, it's not told how long that season was. We're not given that amount of time. He granted, he granted them both favor and opposition. But he granted them faith to remain. And he gave them signs and wonders to confirm the word. And when they had completed their faithful witness, what happened? The trouble intensified. The trouble intensified. They were now under the threat of, of the penalty of death. They would have remained faithful even unto death, but God moved them, moved in the hearts of the missionaries, telling them that somehow that they knew their time in Iconium was complete and they fled. Notice, though, that they fled not in fear, but they fled in faith. They fled in faith. They shook off the dust from their feet against them and they, they, they left. They learned of it. They fled to Lystra, Derby, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there, they preached the gospel. In the next town, there was sure to be opposition, oppression, ridicule, the possibility of imprisonment, the possibility of even death. As it was in Antioch, it was in Iconium. As it was in Iconium, it was sure to be in Lystra and Derby in the cities of Lyconia and the surrounding countries. As it was in those places, surely it is at Yamhill Carlton High School, in your extended families, in your workplace. Do you want to be successful in Christian life and ministry? Success is measured by faithfulness to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to the God of the gospel. I'm going to leave you with Paul's admonition to remain faithful to the gospel in all conditions. And this is for you, and this is for me. Where there is favor or where there is disdain for the gospel, success is faithfulness. Listen to what he says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn their away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. It's a whole lot of words to say, be faithful. You just be faithful.